I'm going to start by giving a little background about how this study came about. So I basically have two careers. One is user research in the software industry, and I'm also a creative writer. Before I worked in user research, I was a lecturer in English literature, and I developed a long list of publications, mainly about 19th century literature and history. And you can't just walk away from a subject like this uh, when you're that dedicated to it. So I continue to fulfill this interest by writing historical fiction. And in 2020, during COVID, I took a creative writing course for the first time ever. And I was really surprised. It was not at all what I expected. And it, it was a bit awkward. So I wondered, how often does this happen? And how can we prevent it? So what I've done with this project is try to understand the needs of people taking online creative writing courses. And based on the results, I think a lot of the findings apply not just to online courses, but to offline courses too. There's a page about this research on my website. So if you go to lauriegarrison.co.uk slash teaching creative writing, you'll find a Google Slides presentation and you can follow along through this and get a look at all the results I'm going to discuss. The rest of this presentation is going to be in three parts. What I did, results for each of the research questions, and best practice recommendations. What I did. The survey consisted of roughly 20 questions. I collected quantitative and qualitative data. Participants were recruited on social media and via various newsletters from writing organizations. Participants were offered an incentive, uh, a prize draw for three 10 pound Amazon gift cards. I received 63 viable responses between February and March, 2021. Here's a bit more about the respondents for this survey. Age, this is slide four. There was a wide representation of ages, but it was skewed toward the older age groups. Slide five, gender. This audience was overwhelmingly female. It's often the case that there are more women taking part in research than men, but this goes far beyond that trend. Experience. This question set up a spectrum from no experience of creative writing to having multiple full-length publications. The vast majority had a lot of experience of courses or were in the some publications category. So I think this suggests that there is a type of serial course taker who takes courses more out of enjoyment and interest rather than a sense of a progression toward an end, like an MA or something like that. This is a note about providers. Respondents were asked to refer to one course they'd taken during COVID for the survey. But as you'd expect, not everyone did this. Some people listed a number of, of providers they'd taken courses with before. I ended up with a list of 83 different providers mentioned. Interestingly, that's from only 63 responses. There were all different types of providers, from universities to literature organizations to individual practitioners. I thought there would be a list of several big names that were repeated, but this just wasn't the case. Only two providers were listed more than once. Arvon got five mentions and Curtis Brown Creative got seven mentions. So this suggests that there's a lot of competition in this field. Let's look at research question one. Are online creative writing courses living up to student expectations? Why are they succeeding or failing? 
There was a survey question about whether a course lived up to expectations. This is on slide nine. 29% thought the course did not or did not entirely live up to their expectations. So that's a lot of people who aren't entirely happy with their course. But 71% were happy or more than happy. In fact, exceeded wasn't planted as a potential answer. Respondents put it down spontaneously. If we turn to the next slide, slide 10, these are the results of the qualitative data for that question. This was an open-ended question so people could write in anything they wanted. So I did a thematic analysis of the responses and these are the categories that came out of that analysis. The value of each of these bars represents the total number of instances of each category. The dark blue represents negative comments and the lighter blue represents positive comments. So if you look at the first category, content, this was by far the most discussed element of a course. This included content during live sessions, content of videos, or content of any other materials produced by the provider or instructor. There were 15 positive comments, for example, clear, interesting, stimulating, and five negative comments, mainly to the effect that the content was, quote, very basic or, quote, nothing I couldn't learn from the internet. The second bar is for practical elements, meaning writing prompts or actually doing writing exercises in the sessions. This is a really common teaching technique, but interestingly, it was really controversial throughout the survey and the interview results. Some people raved about it, especially where everyone reads out and then gives feedback to each other, but some people really just don't like it. So if you're going to do this in your courses, this needs to be clear at sign up. A couple of other interesting points here. Feedback wasn't nearly as prominent as I expected it to be. This referred to feedback from other students as well as the tutor. Survey responses and interview data suggested that participants expected feedback to be acquired more through one-to-one -one sessions or mentoring, not usually in courses. The online format also did not come up very often. I expected a lot of grievances about using Zoom and face-to-face -face being better, but in responses to this question, a lot of people were really happy with the online format. This brings me to the next open-ended question. This one was about the impact of the online format, slide 11. So the first bar, access. This refers to comments about the online format allowing respondents to take a course that is geographically distant or more convenient than an in-person course or that simply wouldn't be possible if it was not online. All 21 of these comments were positive. Social aspects. There were more negative comments here. I wasn't able to separate out the positive and negative comments in this question because of the way it was worded. However, there were a couple of interesting comments about being able to have more confidence on video calls and feeling less pressured to speak up if they didn't want to. Flexibility meant fitting around schedules. People found this enabled them to take the course. Also, there were six interesting comments about enjoying being in an international group, which is something that online teaching can offer a lot of going forward. There's one more slide for this research, slide 12. Nearly 75% of respondents said they would continue to take online courses after COVID. So that sounds pretty positive to me. Research question two, what are the most successful online formats and teaching techniques? One of the survey questions asked the respondents to list the teaching formats that were used in their course. This is on slide 14. 
practical writing exercises was the most frequent, even though this one is controversial. There were also live discussions, lectures, feedback sessions. Almost everything was live. There wasn't much representation of pre-recorded lectures, for example. I also asked which teaching formats worked particularly well. This is slide 15. Note that practical exercises is by far the most popular format here. In the question about whether courses met expectations, practical exercises received a lot of negative comments. So my take on this is that practical exercises are like Marmite. People either like them or they hate them. So if this is going to be in your course, make sure you note that up front. Other popular items were peer feedback, content, as in quality of lectures and discussions, hearing others work, and tutor feedback. Flexibility got a few mentions, as did sense of community. The next slide, slide 15, shows what didn't work well. Note that the first category here is all worked well. This was not an option. This was what this really enthusiastic audience wrote into the question about what didn't work well. So these are some really happy students. Not surprisingly, there were some comments about online format, awkwardness during discussions, technical problems, reluctance of other students to use cameras. Classroom management, this is my term. This is most often when one or two students is dominating the discussion and the tutor doesn't stop it. And this also came up in every one of the interviews I did as well. There were also some mentions of unused or overused chat groups, poor content, feedback that wasn't very useful, and a lack of a sense of community. Research question three. What are the primary concerns of students seeking to book an online creative writing course? How can provider marketing accommodate these concerns? I'm just going to look at one survey question here. Why did you choose this course? This is slide 18. Reputation was very important. This includes references to the reputation of either the instructor or the provider. Cost was important, but only a few respondents noted that a course was inexpensive or cheaper online. This probably means the courses don't need to be inexpensive, just good value from money. Previous experience means previous experience of instructor or provider. So trust and familiarity are important factors in choosing a course. Learning a skill or genre and current writing, both of these categories had a right moment sense about them. The student was looking for a course in that specific area or looking for something to fit with what they were working on at that moment. I'll just mention one more area here, social aspects. This was controversial. You can see here that people were in fact booking courses in order to get some social interaction, but there was a bit of negative feedback about online not being the same as in person. Research question four. What are the long-term impacts learners are hoping to achieve with these courses? I thought there would be a lot of interest in meeting other writers and forming writers groups or other forms of communities, but this is not what the data showed. So if we look at slide 20, how did the course impact on your creative writing? We can see that skills was by far the most prevalent category here. This included mentions of learning new techniques or adding to my understanding of the craft. The next three categories are soft skills, so to speak, inspiration, motivation, confidence, something to keep them going, basically. Few people had written drafts by the end, and few people had found a writing community. But this doesn't mean that people weren't looking for a writing community. 
If we look at slide 21, will you keep in touch with the other students? 62% said yes. If we go to slide 22, when asked how they would keep in touch, a lot of respondents did form writing groups and an equal amount would keep in touch over social media.